0: Welcome to Oaks Church, where we grow great lives and build big people. Thank you for checking out our podcast. We hope that you're encouraged by this life-changing message from Pastor Joel Scrivener. For more information, visit us online at oakschurch.com or follow us on social media at Oaks Church Texas. Well, months ago, we uh, planned out a series, a theme for the beginning of this year, and we came up with the title, Max Out. I don't know if you have anybody here that was a weightlifter at any point in time, uh, but I remember my first season ever lifting weights. I was a freshman in high school, and I was on the wrestling team, and so they wanted us to get really strong, and they punished. Has anybody here ever wrestled? Oh my, if the me coaches the meanest coaches in the universe are wrestling coaches, they just want to torture you to death, starve you to death, torture you to death, but they make you mean and tough and I remember maxing out in the gym as a 123-pound as a freshman. That's like half of me right now. I wish I could get back to that at some point. But but I remember maxing out and, and the strain and the pressure and then the idea and the goals of, of next level, next level. How can I continue to try to max out my life? And if we're not careful in life, guys, we can have a year like 2020 and just want to cash in our chips, right? I mean, it, it, anything that could have gone wrong, I, it was Have you ever had one of those seasons? I know you have because we all just went through it together where you feel like surely nothing else could go wrong and then two weeks later something else goes wrong. We just came out of that. I think we came out of it. In Jesus' name we came out of it. We're about to find out. I don't know, Was the 6th? Does the whole world end on January 6th? I don't know, it depends on what news station you're listening to. Oh my God. But we're in the middle of this wild season and if you're not careful, if any of us are not careful... We can feel like just throwing in the towel because it's, it feels so out of control. So many things out of control. People, I mean, li- literally, I was talking to a friend the other day, another ministry friend, and, and he, he had this, this sense uh, of, of grieving because he had watched so many relationships explode and dissolve and come to nothing. Friends that had been friends for years, marriages, uh, family members, that through the chaos and the crazy, whether it was political or whether it was the virus or whether it was the economy or whatever, but people literally separating and dividing, our world has never been more divided. Can I tell you that the enemy, when the scripture says that he's like a roaring lion looking for whom he may devour, if you've ever watched the nature channel, the lion doesn't attack the whole herd, and defeat the whole herd. He splits off someone and isolates them and gets them alone, and then the pack of lions can devour an individual. The enemy wants you separated. He wants you divided. He wants you isolated. He wants you gagged. He wants you uh, silenced. He does not want you to be able to have a voice. And there is an evil agenda in our world to isolate and divide and to silence us. And it's time for the church of Jesus Christ to arise and be louder than ever before. We've got to max out. We've got to max out. It feels like in so many ways that so many of our plans were completely hijacked last year. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Goals, things. Did anybody make like some really great goals in the beginning of 2020 just to realize that by March, nah. <laughs> None of them, right? Everything you wanted to try to accomplish, forget about it, done. It was, I, it was just one of those things where you're just like, all right, let's just try to, surely by the summer, it'll be better. And then surely by the, and if we can just get past the election, and if then we could just get, come on, it's just been this nonstop thing where everything keeps getting pushed back and put on hold and it feels completely out of control, but God is on his throne. There's a Psalm, Psalm number two, it says, why do the nations rage? And it goes on to say, because the Lord is on his throne. God is in control in the midst of all of this crazy. He's still in control. I wanna take you to a story today, and we're not gonna spend a, a long time here, uh, mostly because they have a wedding at noon, and so we have to get out of here, and, and by, the, by the way, if you could help us move some chairs afterwards, that'd be great, and we'll just take it off your check, don't worry about it. Um, but, but, uh, but I do want to jump into one story today, and we have our ushers are actually going to pass out something. We have a really cool worksheet for you today. Ushers, if you could, if you could just kind of roll down the aisle and just, just maybe pass six or seven across and just take one of these. This is a little worksheet called Max Out 2021. Before you get really impressed about it, we totally stole it uh, from another organization uh, and just put all of our name and information on there, so don't share this uh, outside of your family. We don't want to get sued, but um, it's a really, really cool little worksheet that you're going to see, and, and it's got some things to focus on for 2020, and then it's got some things to focus on for 2021. Uh, a friend of ours and members of our church, Phil uh, and Jen Mango, they do this every single year with their family. They have a family retreat, and they do this as kind of a, a family exercise, and so Jennifer and I and the girls are going to do this, and we just wanted to share it with you. We thought that you as families could really benefit uh, from taking some time uh, throughout this week and next week uh, to just walk through this as a family, pray through it, make some goals, uh, find things to celebrate, and all of that. It's just super important that we do that, and I think you'll really enjoy it. I know that we're going to enjoy it at our house. But I want to talk to you specifically uh, about the story of Jacob. And the story of Jacob is an important story because it really is a story of an individual that was massively imperfect and had a tremendous amount of personal issues and flesh and offenses and, uh, and character flaws. And the Lord led him on a journey and began to work with him and through him. And I wanna just say this phrase to you as we kind of get this started, that God meets you where he leads you. God meets you where he leads you. I've heard it said a lot, he'll meet you right where you are, and it's true. And the reason he'll meet you right where you are is because he led you to this place. See, I've had times in my life that I felt completely off the path. I've had times, I had a season of my life when we moved here to Texas, and I was in the, I was in the business world and a professional martial artist, and I was living my dream and all of that. And at the same time, I felt so empty, and I felt so alone, and I felt so off the path. And for about four years, I literally felt like I had missed God because we had such a great environment in Tulsa, Oklahoma and our church and our friends and all of that. And we moved here and the first few years that we lived in Texas, we didn't find a home church. And my wife and I really struggled in a lot of different ways in our marriage and all of those different things. It was very challenging for us. And, And so I felt like for four years, I literally felt like I was groping around in the dark. And although in one side of my life, I was accomplishing all of my goals in another side of my life. I felt like I was dying on the inside and completely lost and I was crying out to God and praying prayers like, God, how did I miss you? How did I get maybe we shouldn't even have come to Texas? God, that's the dumbest thing anyone's ever prayed. Texas is the best place on earth if you haven't figured that out yet You could be in California right now and I love California, but I don't want to live there I'll just vacation but not till they open back up those crazy folks. All right, praise the Lord Thank God for Texas, but but I but I didn't realize that the entire time, the Lord had me right smack dab in the middle of his perfect will. I was never off the path. I was never out of, out of his alignment. I was always following him in the midst of my shortcomings, my failures, uh, my personality defects, uh, all of my issues and my sin and all that kind of stuff. Did you go that God knows about your sin? Did you know that he knew about it before he even created you? And he knew that you would have these little uh, quirks and, and issues and, and fractures and flaws and all of that. And he decided to love you anyway. He decided to use you anyway. He decided to show his glory in the midst of your imperfection. He's not worried about your sin, guys. You're worried. I'm worried about my sin. I'm worried about some of y'all's sin, too. I'll talk to you later. I'm just kidding. Well, I mean, but I'm worried about God's not worried about it. He took care of it already. He paid the price for it. That doesn't give us a license to keep on sinning, but it gives us the freedom to know that I'm going to blow it from time to time. And I can get up and repent and ask him to forgive me and step right back into his presence. Because the righteous fall seven times, but they rise again. It doesn't say a righteous person never falls. It says they fall over and over and over the distinction between us in the world is not that we don't sin it's that we get up it's that we rise again we dust ourselves off and we do our very best to live for him again he meets you where he leads you this story that i want to take you to is the story of jacob and Jacob is an interesting story that you can find in Genesis chapter 25, I believe, is where we see the story of Jacob and Esau. They were twins that were inside. Jacob's great-grandfather was Abraham. His dad was named Isaac, and then he was Jacob. This is three generations uh, that we see of, of relationship and intimacy with God uh, coming through, and all of them being in a personal uh, journey and a personal struggle. Each and every one of us, got kids, teenagers. you're not saved because of your parents. You're not saved because of your parents' faith. You have to come to faith on your own. You have to walk your own road. You have to come to a place and find your own intimacy with Jesus Christ, and you will. And he's going to lead you on that path, and he's going to bring you. And your parents' job is to beat your tail. and Never mind. Your parents' job is to train you in the way you should go, and you're going to walk your path, and he's going to bring you to that place of intimacy where you know him. Amen? He's going to do that. But Jacob, the story is really wild because see in the midst of of, uh, Rebecca, his mom's pregnancy, she had twins on the inside and she was crying out to God going, what is going on? Because it felt like there was a war inside of her belly. Because the two, and then the Lord of the Lord came to him and said, there are two nations in your belly, and they're waging against each other, and one brother will rule over the other, and the other brother will serve him, and, and so you have a mom who understands that the older will end up serving the younger, and when the old one comes out, his name was Esau, and Esau means hairy, and it wasn't short for Harold. He was born with literally, like a, it says that he had fur on his body like a garment, He was like the Grinch baby, right? He just came out with just a fur all over him. And his name was Harry because he would, have you ever seen a hairy baby? I've never seen a, I've seen babies that come out looking like Elvis with hair on their head. I've never seen a coat of red hair on his body. The other's name was Jacob because when they came out, Jacob was holding on to his brother's heel because he wanted his brother's firstborn position. So they named him Jacob, which means whoever grasps the heel or a supplanter, or one translation is one who sets snares for another. What a name. (laughs) What a name. This is a little trickster. You thought you had an ornery kid? Jacob was an ornery kid. Thank God that God can use ornery kids. I was that kid. Some of you kids, did anybody ever had to sit by the teacher's desk? My desk was connected to the teacher's desk in almost every single class. I know none of you would ever guess that. So Jacob, we understand if you know the story and you can read this, I would encourage you to read the story, but he ends up tricking his brother Esau out of his uh, birthright, uh, which would be part of his inheritance, and then later on conspiring with his mother. Think about this. It says that, that Jacob's dad Isaac loved Esau and his mother loved Jacob. You have a family that's significantly dysfunctional, right? In, in fact, to the point where the kids know I'm mom's favorite, he's dad's favorite, and, and your kids aren't supposed to know that, right? It happens in t- sometimes, because sometimes kids can be jerks, but, I, but you're not supposed to know that you have a favorite, right? You're not supposed to admit that. This was a known fact in Jacob's family, and his mom conspired with him to trick her husband And it was God's plan. Don't get a license for this, ladies, all right? She literally tricked her husband into praying over and blessing the younger because she had the word that God gave her while they were still in her belly. And so they tricked, and Esau didn't get the blessing of the firstborn. Jacob got it, and Esau's word was that he would be a man of the wild, and he would uh, live by the sword, and he would serve his brother. That's not a big brother's thing. That's not what a big brother wants to do. So he vowed to kill Jacob. And where we find Jacob in the story is where Jacob is now running for his life. His mom has said, I want him to go find a good wife from our lineage. So send him out away to my brother's house, Laban's house, so that he can find a wife. And Jacob is on the journey. He's homeless he, 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 he has nothing. He's got a blessing from God, but he doesn't necessarily have his own relationship with God yet. He comes from a great lineage, from Abraham and Isaac, but Jacob is, is not necessarily a spiritual man. He's a trap layer. He's a deceiver. He's a trickster. He's one who sets snares. And we find him on the journey where God was leading him, and God met him where he led him. Genesis chapter 28 verse 10 says, that Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head to lay down to sleep. You know you're having a bad night of sleep if you're putting a rock down for a pillow. I tried to camp one time out back and put a tent up and all that with the girls. I was in the house by like two o'clock in the morning. I'm like, forget this, I have a new mattress inside. A rock for a pillow. It says that um, he had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching up to heaven. This is where Led Zeppelin got the idea for that wonderful song. And the angels of God were ascending and descending upon it and there above it stood the lord and he said watch this watch the word of the lord to jacob who's a cheater who's a liar who's a swindler God says, I am the Lord God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac, and I will give you and your descendants, this is a single guy, I'll give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying right now. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out over the west and to the east and to the north and to the south, and all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you, and I will watch over you. Wherever you go, I will bring you back to this land, and I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. What a word from God for a guy that's on the run. He's in his outlaw season of life, and he's on the run for his life, and God meets him right where he led him to be, and he gives him a word of promise. And it says, when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called that place Bethel, which means the house of God, though the city used to be called Luz, which means light. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey, I'm taking and will give me food and clothes and afford to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household. Then the Lord will be in my God and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be the house of God and all that you give me, I will give you a tenth, a tithe. This is an amazing passage, an incredible story. This is the moment where God and Jacob formed their covenant, formed their relationship, their agreement as being part of a family. Jacob moves from it being the God of his grandfather and his father to being his own personal God. This is a moment that came in the midst of trial, in the midst of tragedy. When we feel the farthest from God, oftentimes he's the nearest When we feel like we have so much that's going wrong, sometimes we're being led right into the place where he wants us. See, we could feel like, God, if you'll just get me out of here, and he's like, I've been just getting you into here because I want you to recognize how much you need me And I want you to recognize that when you're weak, then I am strong. Your strength is not made of your strength. Your strength is made of my strength. When you're weak, I'm strong. My strength is perfected in your weakness. That's what God has declared in his word. See, there have been times in my life that I felt really strong and really confident, really available and really like I had things going on. Right. Just to find out that God was weak in me in those times. And there were moments where I had the least going on. I remember one time specifically, it was my first youth conference to go speak at. It was one month after my daughter had died. And I was invited, you know my friend Adam Bagwell, his dad, Tim Bagwell, invited me to come and to speak at a conference, and there was about 100 teenagers there. And I literally, I had never felt more empty, I had never felt more... Uh, Powerless, I had never felt like more of a failure um, than than going through the grief of losing my daughter. And and so here I am now showing up at this event to preach and, and, and and to pray for kids. And I literally with all my heart felt like, God, I don't even know what I believe anymore. I don't know what to say. I don't know if I even believe your Bible. I know I believe in you and somehow you're good, but I don't get it right now. And unless you show up and talk to these kids, this is going to be the worst conference that's ever happened. And can I tell you, it was actually the best conference I've probably ever done. Because I was so empty, it was all God. See, God sometimes needs to bring us to a place where we feel really, really, really stuck. Just so we can fully rely on him and can't take any of the credit. So you, you can, and guys, can I tell you that in 25 years of marriage, I felt like it was over a number of times. I would love to tell you how great of a husband I am and how I never mess up. And if I was, if my wife, she's getting ready for leaving town right after church today to go see my parents, if she was here, she'd be amen and right about now. But uh, guys, we've barely made it at times. We've hit rock bottom at times. There's been moments where one of us was, out, was ready to walk out the door, and somehow, by the grace of God, we stayed together. You may find yourself in a place, guys, I've never seen a year where more marriages have been in massive conflict than the year 2020. The enemy wants to separate you, he wants to divide you, he wants to convince you it's hopeless, he wants you to convince you it's over, he wants to convince you there's no way, and I'm telling you that God may have brought you just to this place to realize that it's not about you and it's not about your spouse, it's about God being the center, and if you'll give that thing over to God and let God have his way in you, let God do his work in you, you may just experience a miracle that you never thought was possible, because with God all things are possible. And it just comes down to faith. And the first point I want to say to you is, you have to make a decision that you're not going to stay stuck. Don't stay stuck. God brought you to this place. You're right where He wants you. He's got something He wants to do in you and through you. But don't stay stuck when you're down when you're, don't wallow. Dig into him. Lean into him. See, that's what I've come to realize is that if, 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 when I feel like I'm stuck and I can't make it and I can't go another step, if I'll just hold on to him, he'll pull me through. God will pull you through. Make a decision that you're not going to stay stuck. And, and the first priority here is you've got to start with gratefulness. In the midst of the mess, there's something that God has blessed See, in the worst of times, there's something that God has done great. I, I uh, as nutty as it was this whole year, I, I feel really bad for high school seniors. A lot of them that I, I feel bad for a lot of the athletes that didn't get to have, you know, um, and it was just crazy. I feel bad for some of the parents that were stuck with their kids at home. All, I'm just joking. <laughs> Just joking. One of my points was that some of the most wonderful times we were able to have with, our, with our, our kids and with Jennifer and I because we couldn't go anywhere. And for us to just kind of lean into that and allow God to just... There, there are things in this year to be grateful for. And as nutty as it's been, as psycho as it's been, there are things to be grateful for. If it wasn't for this year, so as much as it drives me nuts... That, that we keep getting bumped out of the hotel and we got bumped out of the school. And, and we, I mean, Jennifer, last night we're driving home from dinner and she's like, has there ever been another church that's had more relocations in the first two years than Oaks Church? We feel so squirrely. We feel so inconsistent. And I said, yeah, actually, baby, there's this church in California that had 25 locations before they finally got their building. And it's a little church named Saddleback. It's got about 50,000 people in it now. Okay, And I'm like, babe, God's got this, and we're literally we're, we're, we're a month away. We're two months away. We're almost home, and it's a miracle. And if it wasn't for coronavirus, our building would not have come available. If it wasn't for coronavirus, that business would still be there. It'd still be thriving, and we would still be uh, in a school and praise the Lord for schools. But, guys, we're about to have a home because of a horrible season that God blessed a mess. And I'm telling you, he'll bless your mess too. He'll bless your mess too. And if you can understand that if we could just find the things to be grateful for, the amount of time. See, it, it, it's one of those deals where, man, there's a parent and you're dealing with your kids, especially when you get to that teenage phase. You know, they're, they're really, they're, they're cute and sweet when they're little and then they get too big to cuddle. And you know, I'm, just, I'm just goofing off with you guys today. We love our kids. Don't think we don't. But there's times when you're like, oh my gosh, how many more years until we can just do anything we want, right? I mean, you feel that way at times. Am I the only one? Don't make me feel like a bad dad today. But at the same time, it's like, but we only have how many years left? We only, we're only in the same house for how much longer? And then there's going to come a time where we wish they would come and now they're too busy. And now they got their own kids, and now we got their own whatever. And, and guys, I'm telling you, we've got to recognize the good in the middle of the mess, what God has blessed in the middle of the mess, and we've got to start with gratefulness. There's something in your life to be grateful for there's something in your family, there's something in your spouse, there's something in your kids, there's something in your relationships, there's something in your business, there's something in your industry to be grateful for. And if you can start with gratefulness, see, I've watched ungratefulness is one of the great cancers of humanity. I've watched ungratefulness destroy a beautiful marriage. I've watched ungratefulness. I've watched it destroy incredible partnerships with business people Because one partner or one spouse begins to look at the other spouse and instead of seeing the beauty, they see the flaw. And I wanna encourage you with all my heart to be the type of person that looks for and sees the good. Doesn't mean you live in denial. Doesn't mean that you don't address things and face truth and have strong and real conversation. But you've gotta focus on the good. Because what you focus on scientifically is what you feel. And your feelings will deceive you. Your feelings are liars. Oh my God, your feelings are liars. And you will follow a feeling right into the worst decision you've ever made in your life. And if you don't focus on what is good and on the blessing, you won't make it through the season to come in to what God wants to do in the outpouring that he wants to have. It starts... With gratefulness. Jacob found himself in a place where he's, <clears throat> he's looking at how good God is. He's recognizing that, oh my God, I felt like I was alone. I thought my life was over. I, I, I'm running. Literally, my brother wants to kill me. He has vowed to kill me as soon as my dad dies. And then God meets him. And he says, surely the Lord is in this place. How awesome is this place? We got to start with gratefulness but then we gotta move from gratefulness. We gotta move on to hopefulness. See, we gotta come past this this era, this season has been to some a very hopeless season. We we watched salon owners get put in jail because they were trying to feed their kids. We've watched restaurant owners uh, and pastors be put in jail because they're trying to do what God made them to do, run their business, run their church. Not so much here in Texas but in other parts of the country, it's been horrific. It's been horrible. Churches have completely shut down. They don't exist anymore because of government overreach that goes against our Constitution. The 99.96% of the people, don't get me started, that are gonna survive have to stop doing everything that makes them free for 0.04% that may have died anyway at some point in time. And maybe they're, come on, I'm not trying to be coarse or callous because guys, my, my own uncle died of COVID. He had other conditions and things of that nature and it's sad, but, but we got to live too. We got to keep living too. And we gotta recognize that in the midst of this season, our nation was founded on freedom. And we can't be so seduced. Look, you didn't follow, you you didn't come and pick a pastor that just likes to obey all the rules, I'm sorry. I'm I'm not a conformist. I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to hurt my feelings. I feel my heart breaks for people that have suffered. I know people that have lost close loved ones, and it has been a, a really horrific time, a horrible, horrible time. But I've lost loved ones. And I know death, and I know grief, and I know loss. And, and, and we got to keep living. We got to keep living. And we got to stay free. Because America is the only beacon of hope in the world. It is the country that God has picked. He has his hand upon it, and his hand will stay upon it if the people of God will arise and be the light that they're called to be, and we have to be that. 1 Thessalonians 5:18, 17 and 18, it says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything, give thanks. In the midst of losing loved ones, give thanks. In the midst of, of, of financial crisis, give thanks. In, in the midst of marital turmoil, give thanks. Guys, there's something to be grateful for. There's something that if you can get your focus put in the right place, you can find a glimmer of hope. And you can hear a word from God. See, this is the beginning of the relationship where you see Jacob, this is in in scripture, this is the first time that we see Jacob pray. See, here's what you need to understand. There's no Bible, there's no law. The law didn't come for hundreds of years after this. This is only based on experience with the creator that's had between one human and his God. There was no Bible, there was no law, there was no 10 commandments, there was none of that. And Jacob has an encounter with God. God meets the cheater right where he is. And Jacob's prayer sounds like this. God, if you do this, 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 and this, then. That's the negotiator. He's a businessman. His entrance into relationship with God is a business negotiation. Okay, God, you said this, 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 and this. If you do it, Here's my end of the bargain, and then I'll make you my God, and of everything you give me, I'll give you a tithe. See, guys, here, I, I want to make this point to you, because in the time like this where so many people are strapped and certain businesses are tight and, and certain financial budgets are really, really struggling, this is the time to lean into your covenant, not lean out of it. See, tithe is not about the law. Tithe existed before the law existed. In fact, did you know tithe is in the very first story in the Bible? Adam and Eve, the tithe was in the middle of the garden. It was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. God said, that's my tree. You can eat from everything else, but that tree is my tithe. Give me that. It's the first fruit. Cain and Abel, the tithe is in the center of that story. Bring me the first portions of the fat lamb and burn it as an offering unto me. That's the tithe. Abel decided to tithe. Cain didn't, and Cain received curse instead of blessing. I'm just telling you guys, this specific story right here, God, if you'll this, then I'll that. Forget the Bible, forget the law. I will tithe for the rest of my life because it's a covenant that I have with God, period. It's a covenant that I have with God, and it's easy for me because I've done it since I was little because my parents trained me, It's harder for other people to come into this. But if you recognize what Jacob was doing is he was making the God, the God of everything. Because tithe, this is what you have to recognize. In their age, in their era, he was making God his king. When someone made someone their king, they would bring a tribute, a financial tribute, and they would pay tithe to their king. And they would give that king lordship over their life. That's what Jacob was doing He was forming a covenant with God. And so that's why the tithe is so important. And that's why we as the people of God need to hold on to that principle and recognize that there's a blessing inside of the covenant. It's not about Old Testament, New Testament. It's about covenant with God. It's powerful. My question for you is simply this today. What is your if then? God will meet you right where you are because he led you here. And I would hate for you to think. See, this is this is this is where. And I grew up in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, where Jesus has a spring home. Um, the one of the most spiritual places on earth is Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, I grew up in the middle of it. And there were a wonderful things that I received from my upbringing. And then there were little religious things that I received that were super spiritual uh, and very religious doctrines that aren't actually necessarily biblical. And, and one of those things is that, that you can't have some kind of negotiation or dialogue with God. And, and God, let me, let me say this to you. Either relationship is real or it's not. Jordan, you guys have been married a long time. You guys ever negotiate? Daily, right? It's, it's about relationship. Baby, I really, this would mean a lot for me if you were this, okay, okay, okay. And then it would mean a lot for me if you were this, okay, great. And you have a great relationship. All through the Old Testament, we see the people that God chose go back and forth with him and have dialogue. But then we think that the holiest prayer is the, but not thy will, my will, but thy will be done. And and, and we forget that this whole thing is about a real relationship Not a fake one. What is your if then? God, if you'll, then I'll. Maybe God is trying to move you into a place in this season of sacrifice. Maybe he's trying to move you into a place in this season. And it's not about some kind of finagling or some kind of whatever. But I'm telling God will meet you right where you are. And if he can meet a cheater businessman, negotiator, setting snares and traps for other people. And make a covenant with him without changing his character. It would be 20 years later, we'll get into this next week. 20 years later, God would begin to see the return on His investment. Oh, God's taking a slow play with you. He's been working on you for years, decades. Some of us have centuries. (laughs) Working on you. You're not done yet, you're in a process. What do you want to see God do? What do you want to see in this new year? How do you want to see God move? Maybe in your prayer time, maybe as you're walking through this uh, experiment or this exercise with your family, maybe you'll come to a place of saying, God, I really want to see this happen. God, if you'll help me to step into this, then I'll step into that. See, this type of prayer, this type of real relationship is how I forged my friendship with God. When I was 19 years old and I had a dream of being on the USA team. And I'm like, God, if you'll put me on that team, I'll train, I'll work, I'll compete, I'll do everything. If you'll put me on that team, I will use it for your glory. If you will, then I will. And God opened that door and changed my whole life. And I was praying an if-then prayer as a teenager. I feel like somebody in this room is going to move beyond religion to relationship this year. You're gonna move beyond what you were taught from parents or religious leaders and come into a real relationship with God this year. And God brought you to a place where maybe he reduced certain things in your life and he limited certain times in your life and he brought you to a place where you felt really, really, really stuck. So the only way out is him. And he wants to have a real relationship with you. He's not afraid of your attitude. He's not afraid of your failures. He's not afraid of your character flaws. He kind of likes them. You're quirky. It's interesting to him. You're the apple of his eye. You're a joy to his soul. He loves you. He wants real relationship with you. We hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.